Hello and welcome to the 905er podcast. My name is Ronan Tanner. I am Joel McLeod. Since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, the loss of well-known and long-standing businesses has been painfully common across our region. On November 26th, one of the most notable closures yet happened in Burlington when the city's taxi service, which began operation 53 years ago, shut down for good, leaving many local services and the residents that depended on them without any immediate replacement means of transportation. That story of a long-standing business closing is already a sad one with the loss of a significant number of jobs and vulnerable users left high and dry. But in the days that followed, it became apparent that there were more factors at work than just the inability to, to remain profitable. It transpired that back in April 2018, when the mayor and council, including Ward 2 councillor Marianne Mead Ward, who became mayor later that year, and Ward 5 councillor Paul Sharman, had issued a staff direction ordering an urgent and comprehensive review of the bylaws controlling Burlington's taxi business, in light of the major changes that were being brought about then by Uber and Lyft, and especially the rules concerning ownership of taxis by employees. That report was to come back to Council by July 2018, in time to be addressed and acted upon before that year's election. But the staff report didn't come back in July 2018, or July 2019, or 20, or 21. Instead, on December the 6th of this year, an emergency session of Council saw City Manager Tim Kismisso make an extensive apology to Council for the failure of staff to have carried out their instructions. And both he and City Clerk, Kevin Arjun, stated that there were now procedural changes in place to prevent the same thing happening again. But what exactly had happened wasn't made clear. Did staff simply forget? Did the staff recommendation get deliberately buried? Was nobody properly aware of the challenges Burlington Taxi was facing until last week? Or were there people who were aware but failed to act? The answers to these questions make all the difference to our understanding of how Burlington City Hall works, along with the way other 905 City Halls operate. How can the instructions of our democratically elected officials ever simply go missing? We should note that there was no apology to Burlington Taxi and no indication of a share of culpability for the failure of the company under the old bylaw structure. Quite the opposite. The mayor made a statement claiming that Burlington bylaws were created to protect Burlington Taxi and that, quote, closure was unrelated to the bylaw review request in 2018. Is this claim correct? Today, our interview is with Scott Wallace, president of Burlington Taxi. Scott sat down with us to give us a detailed account of his side of the debate, including his direct responses to those comments made by Mayor Marianne Meadward and also a comment made by Councillor Paul Sharman. It was an interview that certainly added greatly to our understanding of the timeline of what went on. As you will hear, there remain significant questions for the city to answer about how and why Council's direct instructions could simply be ignored. I'd like to thank uh, Scott Wallace, uh, the CEO and President of Burlington Taxi, for coming on the podcast today to talk about uh, the, the recent... The, the recent news in, in terms of one of Burlington's biggest, well, I, I'm going to say the largest uh, uh, taxi cab service uh, in the population. Uh, Scott, thanks for coming on to the podcast today. Oh, welcome, guys. Thanks for having me on. Um, let's dive right into it. Uh, can you give us a kind of a, a what you, what was your, your decision? What led up to the decision uh, for you to announce that you're closing operations on November 24th? Well, I'm... 
uh, you know, it's it's been something in the sense of I say a long time coming. It's not a long time coming and trying to close a business, but I mean the business has changed over the years, and it, it's a little complicated the way we run the way we run our operation. But for the last, you know, pre, even pre-COVID, um, you know, a lot of people look at the Uber effect, which happened, you know, started happening in 2016 or whatever it was around here. Um, you know how it impacted the industry, and you know everybody saw that as the demise of the taxi industry, which it really wasn't. It was just an adjustment in in the in the transportation networks. But um, you know that started happening, and and over the last you know few years, we've we've had a number of things that have just been have having a big impact in the in the industry outside of Uber, which is one of them has been insurance, which is a huge problem in our industry and it continues to be a huge problem in our industry where it's been difficult to get insurance where our rates have gone from anywhere from you know a few years ago i'd be paying four or five thousand dollars per car uh for liability insurance and today you know you're upwards of 18 to twenty thousand dollars all in the last couple of years and that's been a you know that's one of the you know one of the i guess the death of a thousand cuts right as they say but it's one of the the, the few big things that's happened to us um you know, before COVID, you know, after after everything adjusted, uh, we all adjusted to it. Taxi industry kind of, you know, um, found their niche market, which is a lot of contract work, a lot of, um, you know, uh, day business, as opposed to the night business where the, you know, the Ubers took the bar business, things like that. Um, and then, you know, before COVID, everything was running along fine. You know, we weren't as busy as we used to be, but everything's running fine. We had staff, we had business and you know, getting business has never been the problem. Um, even up till today, it's never been the problem. Our phones rang off the hook. Um, but when COVID happened, of course, we all shut down into, I mean, I went from between, you know, we had 55 taxis in the road and 40 other um, school vehicles we had, but then the school shut down our contracts. So we had, you know, we were down to running six, eight cars during the early days of COVID or the first probably six, eight months of COVID. And that was more to support people to just to get to hospitals and to, because nothing else was open, obviously. Um, you know, so that, you know, the government supported business like us, like all businesses, they supported us, which, you know, I understand why they did. And it was a good thing for all of us. They did. Um, we were all running on government support to stay open, but we were, we were uh, considered an essential service. So, you know, it was something that we felt we had to do, even though we really weren't making any money, but it's just something we feel we should, you know, we had to do for the community. So we continued that for a while. And then early this year when kind of COVID was, you know, um, I would say going away or whatever you want, term you want to use, it was uh, things were opening up again. We Business started coming back. Schools started opening. We started getting our contract work back. Things were starting to move again. And as our business slowly started increasing, um, what we found was struggle for, for drivers, for people to work. It wasn't about, you know, we just want to make it clear. It wasn't about, you know, not having business. It wasn't about the phones not ringing. It wasn't about, that was the easy part. And that's the easy part in, you know, in all of my businesses is getting business seems to be the easy part today. It's getting people to help do the work, right? Mm-hmm. Getting staffing. And as you know, many companies are, are struggling to find staff. And, you know, as the summer went on and we started getting busier, we tried to get staff to, you know, people that were working for us that we had laid off the year before, you know, we laid off close to a hundred people. Um, we tried to get them, some of them back. Some of them have found new jobs and some of them just, you know, weren't ready to come back, whether it's a COVID issue because they're so close and, you know, when you're in a taxi cab, you're close to people. There's, it seems to be a quick question. Sorry, if I just jump in really quickly sure, on sure, that. Go ahead, it's, sorry. It just uh, occurred to me. It's like there's, there's, you know, if you go onto Uber or, or Lyft, there seem to be bunches of drivers there. Could you, like, could you not literally kind of go and get people from them and say we'll pay you more or is it not that simple well 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, the cab industry is, the, and this this is where the issue came for us. So uh, we, we've always been historically um, employee driven, and it's a very rarity in the cab company. It was a good thing or bad thing. Well, it worked for, you know, 53 years where our drivers were employees. The rest of the cab industry, pretty much everywhere, has gotten away from that for years and years. And they were all independent or owner operators, they call them. So, you know, you would own a car and you would come to me and I would dispatch to you. You just pay me a monthly fee or a weekly fee or whatever. Everybody has a different setup. Um, in Burlington for years, the bylaws were written so that, uh, again, for whatever reasons, it worked and everybody's, you know, was happy with it, where you weren't allowed owner operators. So you, the fleet, the dispatch company, in our case, Burlington Taxi, had to own the vehicles. And the licenses that we leased from the city, uh, we had to pay an annual fee for the city, um, had to be in our vehicles, had to be in our own vehicles. And so we operated that model for a long time, for the, 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 the employee model, I mean. And then in 2018, we saw a lot of this stuff coming. I mean, the Uber effect, and that's to answer your question, is we wanted to change that model. 2018, we requested from the city to change the bylaw to allow owner-operators, which every other city has. And the city, you know, agreed and the council had, we went from council and they agreed and they, they thought it was fine. And they went to staff to do their, you know, their due diligence on that and do what they'd have to do, which is, and everybody, you know, that was no real problem for it. But of course, staff was busy. Everything's just kind of got, we were, we were still fine the way we operated. And I, I liked the way I was just hoping to continue a hybrid model. Um, but so in 2018, we asked for it. They had to do a whole study, which takes months and six months, eight months. And then it never really got anywhere, um, kind of got forgotten about certain extent. So we, you know, we reiterated again, the, we asked again to say, listen, we need to get this change in 2019, along with some other changes, because the bylaw was written in 2009, which is, you know, fairly archaic and need to be updated. And again, this wasn't a, you know, this we asked the city, they said they're going to look into it. But if I had a mistake or, I, you know, one problem I had was I didn't push hard enough. You know, I, I knew they were, I wasn't in a hurry, but they weren't. Uh, you know, they weren't prepared so, to, to make those changes. So, Scott, so just so our, our listeners are clear. So, in 2018, you go to the city uh, to request this bylaw change to allow you to restructure your your business right. uh, to allow owner operators, and you you have a contract with them essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so you've restructured in that. So, since 2018, how like you, you you've been operating. Uh, since then in the, in this fashion, you know, yes. how, have you had to restructure any other ways since 2018 to make, make a, uh, make a profit? Um, no, because again, it was, it was, we, you know, the way we were operating, we were working, we had enough business, you know, we were making money. I mean, you know, we were, we were profit. We weren't certainly near, you know, pre Uber stage of profitability, obviously, but we were stable. We were making money. You know, we always struggled to find drivers, but nothing to the extent it was today. We always needed more people. Um, but the taxi industry is always, every day is a high and low. So there's two hours a day that we're extremely busy. And then there's the next two hours, we've got nothing going on. So, but we were, we were profitable and we knew that we had to change at some point and, you know, but it wasn't something I needed to change overnight. So we were asking for, you know, we know it takes six months, eight months to make changes in the bylaws. They have to do this. And I get that. And it's not, you know, the city staff was, was awesome for us. And, you know, again, if I had a regret, I just didn't scream loud enough, you know, to make the changes. And then 2019 asked, and they said they were going to do it. You know, they're going to look at it again. Um, and then it got put off, you know, again, I mean, I, you know, I wasn't jumping up and down on them, but then COVID happened. And then of course, everything just shut down. Nobody was working. Nobody was doing anything. And so the, sorry, so the, sorry the, the story that's been sort of 
out there on Twitter to an extent, and and uh, and uh, I think maybe in some of the other sort of Burlington um, websites and things, is that after 2018, City Hall simply forgot and that uh, that there was a direction in 2018, and then nothing happened. And that's not actually what you're saying. You're saying you had ongoing dialogue with the city over the last three, four years. Well, we um, had, yeah. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you're right. We we did. So we had the, the council told staff to go and you know review it and you know do what they have to do, um, and then uh, so I had meetings with staff. This is what we want to change, and there was a bunch of different things we wanted to change. There was you know a list of ten or dozen things that we asked for changes. Um, but so if you're if you're meeting with city hall staff between 2018 and 2020, mm-hmm. um, do you know what ha- what happened? Why why city hall staff never put because there's there's this this story about apparently there was this directive by the tw- by council in 2018 to direct city staff go examine bylaws, right. let's learn how to update them to to make this service better serve Burlington citizens. And then as Roland said, the the understanding is oh just, the story coming out from certain people is oh it just dropped off. You're saying no, you were having conversations with city hall all this time. Do you know it's very why? Slow and, yeah. Yeah, why? Why no one? No report was ever issued back to city, uh, right, city yeah. council. I can't, I, I can't answer that. I mean, I asked them a number of times. I mean, we've got letters, emails, all the stuff that we've requested from the city that we've sent to the city recently, and we sent to them as part of this last month when we told them, you know, uh, what changed. So this, these dialogues were happening. You know, it wasn't like we were talking every week or every month. We were talking every three months to staff, and then we had meetings, and then it was like, okay. And in, in the, again, the staff's defense and everybody's defense. I mean, they're, they're just really busy. And again, they, you know, mm-hmm. I should have pushed harder. I should have jumped up and down, and yelled and screamed, and I probably would have got it back then. And that's one of the regrets I have. But you know, why well, did it get pushed off? That's a good question. I mean, that's a question for the city. I don't know. Um, right. You know, I know they're just you know they was busy, and they would tell me that. And you know, we had a you know we had a good relationship with the city and the staff. We always you know we did our job. We did, we followed the rules, and they were happy with us. Right? We were. Um, you know, we just weren't a problem for them where, you know, like towns like Oakville have a full-time bylaw person for taxis where city of Burlington, you know, I don't even know who they are. Right. Because everything, everything just worked well. Um, but what really happened was you're right. We had the dialogue, we continue had the dialogue on and off. Um, 2020 came, COVID came, you know, everything just kind of shut down. No one thought about it. So when this summer, this past summer, when we started getting busier again and, you know, I assumed, okay, we're going to get this change. We got these changes got to be made. Um, what happened at, you know, in October, mid-October was insurance problems came around. My insurance is due on the end of November. Um, I was told, and we don't get much notice with insurance companies, that my insurance rates were going to go up significantly. And it was at that point I had already said to myself, you know, we'd already resigned that, uh, you know, I was looking to get out of the business. The business, what we knew from the business was the way we operated, even with an owner operator model to a certain extent, you know, it had to be a regional model, like having the overhead we have for such a smaller company just didn't make, you know, it just wasn't going to be financially, but it was, it would have been fine if I could find people, but I was struggling to find people. So we were looking at, you know, selling the business and quite getting out of the business and looking for something different. Um, and we were, you know, we had, approached a number of companies to look at it. And, you know, because the businesses weren't taxi industry wasn't because we were struggling not to find people. I mean, people were trying to take advantage of the fact that we just were were struggling to find people. And um, we were, we knew that the only way that we could make it 
um, sellable or someone else would want to be interested in it if they had owner operators. Insurance, mid-October, the insurance company came back and said, we want this exorbitant amount of money. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to pay, you know, I, I can't afford to pay that because I can't find people to work. And again, my phone's ringing off the hook. I was struggling. We're spending tons of thousands of thousands of dollars a month trying to find people. We just couldn't find anybody to work. So in the first, like, first of November, I went to the beginning of November, I went to the city and I said, listen, you know, all these changes I've asked for for the last three years, almost four years now, um, I need one change and I need this change. I need it done quickly because my insurance is due at the end of the month. I'm not going to be paying that. I'm not, you know, I'm not making money right at this point um, because of lack of employees. Um, you know, I'm looking at an acquisition for another company. It's going to be a regional company. They're going to be a regional call center. They're not going to have the overheads we have. And we need to make this change, have a continuity in service. Um, I assumed, and I talked to some counselors, they were all green. You know, they, they thought, you know, that's fine. But they came back for the first couple of weeks. They, they were looking into it and all, they were going to make those changes. Um, look at making that change because that's the only change I asked out of the, that I needed in a hurry to make the company, you know, someone want to acquire the company. And they came back in the week before and said, no, they can't do it. They can't do it in time. It's going to take time to have to review the bylaws, which kind of surprised me because... I continue to tell them, listen, right. I'm not going to continue operating this business a loss and then paying this, you know, absorbent insurance rate, right? So, so, sorry, okay, um, so you're, sorry, I just want to, so you're talking with city council and they, they say they can't do, they can't fix these bylaws in time. However, I, I find it interesting is since you announced you were closing shop, they've since been able to come out and now they've got an agreement with Blue Line Taxi in Hamilton to come in and service Burlington. And I, I, I'm, I'm not going to get into the uh, but I'm not getting into the details of that, but I find it incredibly fast how quickly city council was able to move on the, on this, to get this arrangement in place. And now you're telling me that you were through three years going back and forth with city council and city staff, trying to work out all this stuff and they couldn't get this done, but like and all of a sudden city council could get this done within a month, less than a month from uh, you saying, well, we're, we're closing, closing the doors. Um, what, what, what's your takeaway on that? Well, it's very frustrating. I mean, that's probably the biggest, you know, I was, I was, I was shocked in the first place that they wouldn't be able to accommodate that. I mean, I, you know, no matter what anybody says, I, I think that, you know, um, there's, there's no way the council couldn't make changes that they need to make because we're an essential service. I mean, there's, you know, it, it, listen, it broke, broke our hearts to do this because there's seniors that couldn't get to appointments. There's, there's, there's kids who couldn't get to, you know, special needs kids who need to get to school. We do a lot of public transportation stuff. We do a lot of services. We do a lot of community work that we, we give free transportation to people that need to get special places every day. And, you know, we, I reiterated to the council once the, once they came back to me and I told them in the beginning that, you know, we have to continue the service and we want to have a continuity service, but, you know, I didn't expect the insurance rates to get so high. I didn't expect all this stuff to happen the last six weeks, the you know, previous six weeks to November 30th. So it's this, we need to have this change. And it's one of the, you know, it's only one of the many, many bylaw changes I've been asking for for, for a number of years. Um, and, you know, I told them the repercussions of this. And, you know, a few weeks later, they came back and whatever reasons, legal, whoever told them they couldn't do it, they couldn't do it. They told me they could Two week, a week, a week later, they had a special meeting and they made the changes that I requested. And, so the outcome has been that the blue line taxis from Hamilton are now going to have an owner operated based Absolutely. business in yeah. Berlin. And there'll be others. I'm sure. Which Hamilton is exactly what you asked and, for. Yeah. And the mayor made a statement last week. Now, I mean, this has all been somewhat superseded by events, but the, the mayor made a statement on November the 24th that the old bylaws were written to protect Burlington taxi 
and that closure was unrelated to the bylaw review request in 2018. And you reacted fairly, uh, fairly strongly to that. Um, just reiterate what you felt was unfair about the mayor's statement on the 24th. Um, well, it was completely, it was completely false. Um, it was not true. I mean, the mayor was on council when they, they made this decision back in 2018. I mean, I've had a number of conversations about it with them over the year, about the, over the, over the last few years, you know, in their defense and council defense, they got a million things going on. Do they remember? But to say that the, the bylaws are written, the bylaws are written in 2009, the city of Burlington hired a consulting firm, BMA, I believe it was called, uh, hired a consulting firm to review the taxi industry and rewrite the bylaws for 2009 because before that they were probably written in 1990s, but which is fine. So they went through the whole process. BMA came up with the bylaw, uh, the bylaws we have today with, with, with city staff, you know, they talked to the cab industry. They wanted to know what the cab industry needs are, but you know, she implied that somehow the bylaws are written that somehow I wrote the bylaws or something along lines or somebody was in, you know, it was a conspiracy to get Berlin taxi. The bylaws written for say Berlin taxi. We were arguing against those bylaws from day one. Like we had many problems with the original, the 2009 bylaw, but they were put through anyways, you know. And, and they uh, made a decision at that point not to allow owner operators. Yeah, and was they, that, I, do you know the reasoning for that back then? Um, I think that a lot of the reasoning was at the time, I mean, the, the cabin industry is interesting, an interesting business. And, and, and some of my colleagues in the business don't agree with me sometimes, but a lot of the stuff at the time was, it's all about plate values. Uh, the taxi industry is all about these taxi plate values. In New York City, they were selling for $800,000 US for a taxi plate, which from a business perspective makes no sense. Um, so everybody was allowed to. So you guys could go put your name in a list in any town, you know, back then and put your name in a list and get a taxi plate when you, when they were increasing the plates by the, by the, um, the generally by the population volume or the economics of the city at the time. The next guy in the list would get a plate. It doesn't matter who he is. He has anything to do with the cab industry. you got a plate. Now you own a plate. So what you would do is just you know, continue to do what you're doing your regular work day, but you would lease a plate to somebody else and he would put it on a car. So, you know, you were making, you know, you sh it shouldn't have been that way and it never should have been that way. Now, Uber changed that, so plate values are pretty much worth nothing. But Burlington, whatever the, you know, what the wisdom was back then is to not make the plates transferable, which means I could never sell a plate to, in every other city, I could sell a plate to you for whatever the market value was. In Burlington, it was set up, so there was no, the value of this plate had to go back to the city. If I wanted to get rid of them, I'd rather have to get approval from the city to sell it, right? Or right. it goes back to them. And that's whatever their logic was, I don't know, in 2009. Um, you know, I not that I disagree with the time. It didn't bother me at the time. There's other cab companies at the time, you know, that continue the time but in, in 2009. So if you want to argue about what the bylaws were in 2009, they're written for us. I can go through half of them and tell you that I disagreed with half of them, and that's all on record too. And the ultimate outcome now is that Blue Line uh, are coming in. I mean, it has basically what's happened is you would have had an opportunity to sell your business to Blue Line, and now Blue Line hasn't had to buy your business because you're already out of the picture. Yeah, and it was another company happened? that was actually looking at acquiring our business. And, you know, the point is, again, because the cab industry, and this is what I was trying to explain to the city and everybody, cab industry now is, is changed. The cab industry will be around for, for a long, long time. Um, there's no question about it. the cab industry has – it's, it's a niche market and it, it, it's this, you know, city needs it. The public needs a, a fixed rate transportation industry. I mean, the seniors out there can't pay $12 to go to the doctors. And then if it snows outside, have to pay $45 for a surcharge to get home. They just can't afford that. Right. They have to have a, know what's going to cost them. Um, so the cabinet should be here for, a, you know, for, for a long time, but it has to be regional. So my options of trying to, 
you know, I have other business interests and I've been doing it for 53 years. And I know that even operating as an owner operator at some point, you know, you still make a goal of it and stuff, but we're just small. And was it, you know, it was time for me to move on and, you know, and then of course the insurance stuff came up and everything else. But so we had few people to go to and we, we asked around trying to make people like, you know, you're interested in buying the industry inquired us. And I was making a deal with, with the Hamilton cab at the time, um, which was part of that deal was, you know, they were just going to continue the service. They would actually continue the employee model for a short time, you know, whether it be a year or whatever, as they migrate out, but they needed assurances. And this is part of what I was asked for. All we needed from assurances from the city that we would, they would be able to go owner operator within a number of months. And that's what we were asking for. And I said, listen, this decision has to be made. They need assurances in order the deal to happen by November 30th because of my insurance agreements are due. And that's all they had to do. And they said, no, they can't do it in time. Two weeks later, they did it anyways, which, you know, uh, I guess to say that we were upset, we we're very upset, we we're insulted, we were, you know, we've been a big community well, company for that. That, that was years. kind of my next question. Like, do you do you think that Burlington City Council did its job uh, in regards to this particular file? You know, it's it's not so much. You know, I don't want to sit here and, and, and blame council. I mean, I you know, I know some of the councilors. I know you know, you know, they've got a lot going on. Um, I I think that I think that I wouldn't say it's city council so much. I don't think that. Within within the city, some people made some decisions where we gave the council some advice that I think was the wrong advice. And I don't think anybody was heeding our warnings of, listen, you know, we need a continuity service. People need to get, you know, there's people out there relying on us every day to get from point A to point B. And I don't know how many times I had to tell them, like, listen, we have, you know, November 30th is a deadline for me. And in order to make this to work, you know, like if you're not going to guarantee, if we're going to have to sit here for six months and argue about owner operators, then, then. I can't make this work. And I couldn't get a def- They wouldn't give me an answer. They wouldn't say, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just looking at the, where the memo here that you, you shared on your Twitter account, which is a memo from uh, former mayor Rick Goldring in April, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, this, this was the, the basis of the staff direction at that point, which was uh, to review and consider the request to allow taxi license to be fixed to a vehicle owned by third party. So that's the owner operator model you're talking about. And report back in July 2018. So three months later, um, this is a direct order, if you like, from, from council to staff to do something and to do it by a date. That didn't happen. Not only did that not happen, but it didn't happen six months later. It didn't happen a year later. Now, I mean, there's a sort of technical point that when a council changes, an old council can't bind a new council to do something. So so staff um, instructions from pre-2018 don't carry over necessarily in a technical sense, but in a practical sense, obviously, there needs to be continuity from council to council. Um, so it, it seems like, Regardless of the bigger picture of this, you know, an order to do something quickly from the mayor and council got totally ignored. Um, so there's a there's a distinction between staff and council here, isn't there? The, the, the council back then was trying to do the right thing, and then the institution of right. government that we call the city hall did something else. Uh, so it's it's a it's an interesting thing, and I think it, it really you know it, it's like. Uh, if staff are not doing what council tells them to do, then what 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 else are they supposed to be doing? You know, it's, it's an, you know, it's, it's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I, and it, 
I don't, I don't want to throw the staff under the bus here on any by any means. They're 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 you know as they would tell you all the time they're busy they're understaffed they got a million things going. I I get it and I you know again I regret if I had a regret I didn't push them hard enough I didn't I wasn't the squeaky wheel right I was trying to do this in a professional manner and take my you know I knew I didn't need it tomorrow I knew everything had to go on I I you know I should have been jumping up that long ago did they you know I think that based on all the conversations I've had with a number of people uh, you know over the last week or two, uh, particularly the city and stuff. I think one of the things that is maybe something will good, good come out of it. I mean, it sucks for me and it sucks for all my drivers and people that are going to continue to lost their jobs. But, uh, you know, that they're going to look at these things and take these things seriously, have a process in place, a better process in place to deal with things like this. Because you're right, it clearly got, you know, how many of them got dropped off the, you know, well, uh, yeah. How often, how often does this happen with staff directions? Yeah. And and I mean, I, I'll, I'll tell you that my suspicion is it happens quite often. No, um, I, would, I would imagine. That, yeah. And it's not necessarily that that it's not that balls get dropped per se. Balls get taken out to the long grass and and hidden. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. And and it, it, it's uh, this is not a Burlington issue. This is a a, a, yeah, a way our city halls operate in Ontario yeah. problem. I just wanted to address. I mean, the the, the question of, of insurance. Now we, we you know we all moan about insurance costs in this province, which are mm-hmm. you know incredible. Uh, but when we talk about you know eighteen to twenty thousand dollars per year per car, um, is there any reason that you understand about why those those insurance rates increase? Because I mean, remember the the previous government was always talking about trying to bring down um, insurance rates. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, what's I think, about? I mean, it's just phenomenal amounts of money that they're asking. What is phenomenal money? And so most of the industry, and and you know, I mean, you're going to have to ask the insurance industry that question because I never understood it. I mean, put that in perspective. In the last three years, uh, my insurance rates have been like you know less than five percent loss ratio. So it means for every hundred dollars I gave them, which was you know probably a million and a half dollars over that time or more, um, they they paid out five dollars. Right. So they were making nothing but money off me, but the insurance just kept going up and up and up. So mostly cab industry, you know, it's considered high risk because of passengers in the car and the way no fault insurance works and all that kind of stuff. It gets, it's probably another podcast in itself for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. You know, but the cab industry has just basically gone to, there's very, there's no companies. Um, Intact was the last company that would actually insure cab industry. And now most, most people are on facility insurance. So facility is a government backed or government run insurance program that's kind of funded by the government and governed by, by the insurance companies that kind of made force for people that have high risk, high risk categories, right? Which is, which taxis are in. But if you have a really bad driving record and you've been in a bunch of accidents and stuff, they put you in a facility. So from what I understand, the laws from Fisco, which is the governing body of Canada for insurance board is that everybody has to be insurable as mm-hmm. of some format or but facility was operated just put together just for the high you risk you don't get any discounts or reduced rates for a good operating record uh you know we what what they're considered was we we were getting a good rate at our numbers that's what we were told wow yeah okay. it's it's okay. it's you know it's just you know a couple of years ago you know last year was year and a half ago it was ten thousand five hundred dollars a car and then it's you know then it's 15 then it's eight. it's just gotten at a you know, I, that's going to be a whole argument for the cab industry for the. What was I'm just I'm just curious. I mean, you you might not have the answer to this, but this just popped into my head. Uh, so you yourself just said like you spent COVID kind of sheltered in place because nobody was going anywhere, um, nobody had anywhere to go, so business dropped off that way. What was the rationale for raising your insurance rates when things are opening up and hey, business back to normal? They said, okay, now we're going to. 
jack well, the rates up because you didn't you, you didn't you didn't have bad drivers because you had no drivers on the road. Yeah. Well, it was not so we we talk about insurance companies going, but it's per vehicle, right? So like even right. insurance companies like uh, when I drop you know when we drop sixty cars off on day one of COVID, we took them off the fleet. They would reduce our rates, right? They were only insurance okay. the, vehicle, the vehicles that we had. So I'm talking per vehicle. Um, what's their law? I you know I don't and I don't think it had to do with COVID. It was happening. It's been happening for a number of years now already. It's just for us, it was a bad timing. It was a terrible timing. But all those those rates were coming. I mean, I was one of the lucky ones with cheaper rates until recently. Um, but, you know, even as a good operator, you can get better rates. I mean, I had cameras. We have driver behavior systems in the car. I mean, you know, we know exactly if a guy's having a bad day or a good day. If you're speeding, we know within seconds that you're speeding. I mean, we know everything about you. But, it's you know, it's we're just all high risk. We're under one big category. You know, I'm Burlington's actually part of the GTA. So we're in that kind of Toronto category, even though we had a great record. They just lump us in with all the, the Toronto industry. So, uh, you know, it wasn't just a COVID thing or just because COVID came out and they're trying to, it's just something that's been happening over years. And it was, you know, just wasn't expected. We certainly didn't expect it right away. And just in the last few minutes, I just want to sort of talk about uh, your staff and your drivers a bit. Um, and, and uh, you know, were they, were they, were your drivers employees or do you sort of contract them? Uh, no, they're employees. They were all employees. employees. Yeah, they're employees. So it's, you know, because this, with the city bylaws, if you have to own the car, if you lease a license, so the fleet had to own the car. And because of labor rules, I mean, we would like them to be independent contractors, but the way labor rules are that if we own most of the tools, which in our case was the vehicle and the license, then they have to be considered employees. Mm-hmm. Right. So if they're owner operators, they use independent contractors. I mean, are those guys going to be able to pick up work now with with, with the new company coming in? Do you think, or do you think, uh, or, or what what's their position now? Are they are they just out of work? Well, it was you know it was unfortunate because we the, the I don't know three weeks ago maybe or whatever the week before we were told by the city that it couldn't change the bylaws. We had made the deal with the other company. We made the deal that they would continue on as they were as employees for this for the time being. So they were all going to continue with their jobs, and they were disappointed that. You know, we weren't going to be there. We've been around with these, a lot of these people around with me 25, 30 years, um, you know, a number of them. But, you know, we were, we had 280 people working for us four years ago um, in our fleet. You know, we were down to maybe 35 by the time we, that's how the situation went. But they're, you know, they had the opportunity to go there. Then I told them all, I met with them all individually and said, listen, we're going to, you know, we're selling the company, but you're going to stay on as you are. They're going to eventually turn everything into operators, but this is the way it's going to happen. Everybody's happy. They keep their jobs. And then four days later, I got the news and said, I had to turn around and tell them, sorry, you're out of a job. I can't, I, there's nothing I can do about it. So they'll have an opportunity to go to, but there won't be, no one's going to run, no one's going to run a, an employee based model like we are. It just can't, it can't work in this industry anymore. Not when the whole world is independent contractors for everything. You can't pay workers comp and CPP and EI and all that stuff. The, the, just the, the government burdens uh, with employees is just, you know, it's too much when no one else, when your competitors aren't paying that. Do you think the city would have acted more quickly if you'd made more of a stink before? I mean, you've kind of already addressed this to an extent, but I mean, ultimately this became a big story. You, you, you've, they're in back, they've been embarrassed, uh, uh, in the media. Um, and that got them moving. Um, do you think if you managed to sort of embarrass them a couple of months ago, uh, it might have had a happier outcome here? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I regret it. Like I said earlier, a couple of times earlier, I, I regret not 
pushing harder, um, you know, and I was, we were prepared. Again, we saw this coming a couple of years ago and even, pre, you know, that things are going to have to change. And that's why we started asking for changes. And, you know, uh, COVID, you know, we were probably getting further ahead. And I think if, if COVID didn't happen, we probably would have had it changed, you know, in 2020, I would guess. Um, but, you know, when everything shut down, we didn't. And I wish, I wish I would have done it. Um, I wish nobody was in the situation. I didn't want to put the city in situation. And lastly, you know, as much as I regret that it got such a big story, um, I regret that the situation. I mean, this is the last thing I want to do after 53 years in business is, is just shut down at the last minute. I mean, it was a painful, it was a painful decision, but, you know, had to be a financial one at some point. And we just assume, you know, we thought that we knew the city was, you know, that we were going to have continuity service of people. We knew that people relied on us and we tried to make a deal to have that continue. And it just, you know, fell apart for all the wrong reasons. And I regret not pushing further or earlier for sure. Um, for sure. Before, before we let you go, Scott, um, you said when you, I just want to come back to the, the point that you made about talking with city hall staff and, and council. Could you tell us who you met with on city council uh, to, to have these discussions with? Uh, you mean in the last few months or last month or well, just like over the, over the last over the last year like the current council if you met with anyone on this on the current council we know that you met well, with uh councillor stolte well um, we met with it, yeah i mean we've met with a number of the council like i don't think i've met i met with councillor stolte a couple of the councillors um just talked to him briefly about it and that we're pushing for and stuff like that and you know i mean on and off but it was more of a staffing thing that we would talk to but with the council with the councillors um it was you know, we only really started talking to them in the early in November when we really started pushing for it. But I mean, people were aware of it. You know, it was not like it wasn't there. Okay. We were aware of it. And we just, uh, you know, in early November, we've asked for, again, in 2018, we asked for a dozen different changes. In November this year, we asked for one change, which is the owner operator. We didn't want, we didn't care about the rest. The rest, the bylaw has to be rewritten. It has to be reviewed. I get it. Um, but, you know, this was just one thing that it wasn't a unique thing we're asking for. Every other city allows it. You know, and it just it just went sideways. Well, and, and given given everything you've said, I mean, I know uh, uh, Councillor Sharman uh, kind of said, "Well, you know, these guys went." I, I'm paraphrasing here, so apologies if I'm, I'm getting it wrong. You can correct me. But well, these guys just went out of business because of uh, of Uber and Lyft and Tough Beans, and, and maybe our old folks should just get Lyfts from now on or Ubers. It, it, is that that was that was the gist that I understood anyway that, that he said yeah. and and that would seem well you give your reaction to, to to that comment given your communications with City Hall since 2018 with a council that uh, Councillor Sharman was part of those discussions during that period. Right. Honestly, it was a ridiculous statement, and again, I, I uh, you know we couldn't believe they'd make a statement like that after you know. He had talked to us, we, you know, trying to understand the industry. And I would hope that if anything comes from this, those counselors will understand before they start talking when they don't know what they're talking about, saying things like that, um, that, you know, that it's because of Uber and Lyft and people shake Uber and Lyft. Well, there's a reason why, again, that, you know, a lot of this has to do with fixed rate, people in fixed income, people insurance, like insurance, like school boards, you know, government agencies, insurance companies, they can't use the Ubers and Lyfts, right? Because insurance issues and it's all kinds of different things. We carry $5 million liability, I carry $8 million liability insurance per incident. I mean, they carry $500,000. I mean, they just can't, you know, that's why they can't, you know, a lot of corporations won't even use these companies. But to say that, you know, seniors and people who don't even have, some of them don't have cell phones to try and get an Uber or a Lyft and then pay, you know, again, they pay $10 in a nice weather. Right now you go up there, you go to, 
go to the hairdressers, you go to the doctor's appointments and you pay $10 and then all of a sudden it snows and rains and then there's a surcharge and you know, these people are fixed income. It was a ridiculous statement and I hope that he regrets it. And I hope that he retracts it because I, you know, uh, it was embarrassing for him. And, you know, again, it's, 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 you know, his comments were that, I think his comment to one of his constituents was that, you know, we just have no more business, which, which is not true. There's lots of business out there. If I had employees, if I could find people to work, I have other business interests. I have other businesses. It's, you know, it's different than the cabin industry completely, but, you know, we we have, you know, 50, 60 people on our staff, uh, my other businesses. And I still need people. I could still use 15, 20 staff in there and good paying jobs. I just can't find people. We turn down business and tax business the same way. I turn down business every single day because I could not support it. And it was painful to watch people waiting an hour for a cab when, you know, I just there's nothing I can do about it. We did everything we can. So that's when we are, we are now. Okay. Well, I see we're coming up on our time limit. So I think we'll wrap it up on, on that note. So thank you, Scott, uh, Scott Wallace, uh, CEO slash president of Burlington taxi for coming on the nine Oh fiver, uh, podcast today. Thank you very much for your time, Scott. No, I appreciate it guys. Thanks for having me on. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.